0: listening to Rosie Cole's Vaudeville Broadcast. This program may contain adult content, so if you're under 18, please either get permission or switch it off. Uh, good afternoon, podcast listeners, audience. Today, I am incredibly lucky to be in the presence of Vivacity Bliss.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: Hello. So I hope uh, everyone out there knows what she does. But
1: if they don't know, because she does many things, Vivasti, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm most known as the producer of Cabaret Roulette, Yay. which has come up many times on this <laughs> podcast before. <laughs> I just keep interviewing all the fans. <laughs> uh, I think actually, since we're on, we're almost finishing our second year, I think we've worked with pretty much everyone at this point, And that's probably why it comes up so much. Uh, yeah, so that's my baby. Um, I've also done a bit of performing around. Mm-hmm. So some people know me as a performer. Uh, although much less than as a producer, you actually came up as a performer in our Jim and Kim podcast. Yes, because I was mentioned. I was Jim's second. Uh, was actually he 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 mentioned that he had gone to see Little Lady Luscious's show, and had seen me in it. He was actually the victim selected from the audience for the harassment in my Canada act, <laughs> where I actually grab somebody and I bear hug them and don't let them go long past the point that it hits into discomfort. <laughs> um and that was the day I met Jim <laughs> and he's never forgotten me <laughs> or forgiven me for
0: it <laughs> it's funny because um I think you got on the podcast they got edited it out but they gave well, away the end of your Canada act which I know you hate having the reveal of what it's about uh, you can being, reveal
1: away now actually um, I did what I haven't made a big hurrah about it but um I'm don't. not going to perform anymore I'm done performing that part uh, of my story. I mean, gosh, never say never. But um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm done. So last week, I went out to Ipswich to the Cheeky Devils Club, which is a fantastic show run by Lou Sapphire. We're
0: having Lou Sapphire on in a
1: few weeks. Brilliant. My burlesque husband. um, They don't come much better. Uh, Lou asked me. I hadn't been performing very much in the last year, and Lou asked me if I'd do it one last time. And So last weekend, I was out there. That's it. The... Hockey Canada jersey has been hung up. Oh no, no more seals will fall victim. No more... <laughs> <It's true. laughs> so so the big reveal for anyone who hasn't seen the act is I club a baby seal and pop its head off. Um, <laughs> it's be... far more entertaining and sparkly than you would expect. <laughs> I never thought you would bring glamour to seal clubbing. <laughs> so, burlesque is an odd, odd discipline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure we'll talk about that more
0: <laughs> later in the podcast. <laughs> So, you've been a burlesque performer, uh, which is, I feel, fairly recent dish for you. Three years, I think I did, performing. And um, Roulette, obviously, has been running for two Two. years now, coming up to its second birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, But before that, obviously, you are au fait with the stage, as I hear rumours of. You You hear (laughs) rumours, yes. I I
1: do have a theatre background. Uh, I have two degrees in theatre, degrees that I used to mock but they've actually turned out to be very, very useful in the real world. Uh, The whole working with very intense uh, people and environments and on low budgets and tight deadlines. And it's actually turned out very good. But yeah, I have two degrees from the University of Alberta, uh, back in Canada. Mm -hmm. I'm not local, as you can probably tell. (laughs) Um, And was a theatre administrator and producer. Have done a bit of acting on stage. My last show was Oliver. (laughs) Who <laughs> were you and Oliver? Were you Nancy? Uh, no, no, it was a very big production. I got to work with the guy who did the voice for the Beetlejuice cartoon, Stephen <gasps> Lumet. No! Played Fagin. So I was the understudy for Bet. My God, you've been you've worked with royalty. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Actually, the fun trivia with that, so the, the director was um, a fellow by the name of Robin Phillips, mm-hmm. who is um, about as big a name in, in theatre directing in North America as you can get. He did a lot of, of Broadway and... Um, and he really liked my scream uh, because I don't scream like a girl, you know, that kind of high, delicate, oh, come save me. I scream like somebody's ripping my intestines out, <laughs> oh my <God>. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> which I'm not going to demonstrate. <laughs> I don't think the microphone can handle it. It's a good microphone, mod- but we've got to be gentle with it. <laughs> so that entire show, Robin Phillips had me running around the stage screaming a lot. I think I, I did blood-curdling screams four or five times in that show. Yeah. But I was, yeah, just an understudy for bed. A brilliant production, brilliant experience some time ago. Wow. So you went. when did
0: you realise you wanted to be involved with theatre and performance?
1: I don't know if there was ever a moment. Uh, my dad asked me once whether theatre uh, theatre attracts a certain kind of person or whether we become that way because of theater (laughs) because (laughs) he he was witnessing my friends and i lounging about probably speaking in very dramatic terms about something totally undramatic uh wailing piteously about something and and my father's an economist and just does not get that kind of theater everything is so intense um i did my very first show professional show when I was, I found out about it on my tenth birthday. Um, oh. I did Annie. I was not Annie, <laughs> which everyone always asks because I'm a redhead. <laughs> um, I'm actually not a natural redhead. That's the big secret I'm going to reveal here. You heard
0: it here first. <laughs> 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 here first. Rasty place. Not a natural redhead.
1: <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm kind of a mousy brownie red. Well, red hair suits you. I think That's so right. too. My joke is, I'm a trans follicle. I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> Redhead born in a brunette's body. Um, yes, yeah, so I did Annie when I was ten, and but that was a, a whim. I had been walking past the theater um, with my mom, and we had seen people lined up outside, and thought, "What's that? Let's go audition." And somehow made it in. And then it was like finding a home. And so I did theater pretty consistently all through my my teen years, and of course did the degrees, and and worked on it until. Uh, until uh, I was about 30, I was a professional theatre producer, administrator. Uh, I've written plays that have been produced, directed. I'm a very, very cerebral director, and I've had a lot of people tell me my directing's boring for that reason, so I think I'm a better producer than I am <laughs> directing. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's fast.
0: There's so much stuff just in that sentence to unpack and then <laughs> talk about. So you started off... Acting, obviously, yeah. through your teen years. Um, did you want to be a professional
1: actor at first? Oh, I think in the way that all 12-year-olds do. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I ever... The ambition to act wasn't ever passionate. It's, it's very interesting, actually. My, my cabaret burlesque career has been a very intense, shortened version of my theatre career. So my theatre career was 20 years, from start to finish career in quotation marks when you're 10 what kind of <laughs> career is it um but it's it's the starting with performance and then moving away from performance and getting into the business side of things that it's exactly what I did in theatre and it's exactly what I've now done in cabaret so
0: when you were getting your theatre degrees were you studying performing or were you studying more
1: academically academically my master's thesis this is going to be very exciting for people never ever ask people about their thesis. Uh, my master's thesis was on uh, theatre programming and how much uh, artistic directors take into account audience attraction when they make their decisions on which plays to do.
0: Oh, that's actually really, well, for a theatre nerd like me, it's really interesting.
1: It was, yeah. it, it was very, it's dated unfortunately. It's, it's a topic that, um, my thesis is not going to become a bestseller because <laughs> I think for about, two years it was probably timely and now it talks about oh cutting edge theatre which has long become the norm so it's a very dated thesis but it is it's how I approach theatre very early on interesting and were you performing at the same time as doing your degrees only when I had to there's something about theatre degrees that even when you you insist that you're there to be an academic they make you perform and I hated that Oh, I—I I, when I was doing my masters, I started picking courses that didn't have a performance component, even if I had no interest in the topic. I took Greek theatre because I—I I, I really have no interest in Greek theatre, but there there was no performance. Mm. Whereas I—I I did a political theatre one, and I—I I ended up having to dress like a <laughs> God. I had to do this is humiliating just to remember. I did a monologue as a as a North American indigenous person with my hair braided. Um, what do I know about being indigenous, frankly? And it's just terrible, painful. Oh, God. (laughs) It's amazing what they make you do in academia to
0: get that degree. Yeah. So I've had some pretty humiliating experiences.
1: I do think there's a value to understanding the performing part, though, as a producer and a director. You need to understand what the artists go through. Very much so.
0: Very much so. And also just understand the mechanics of what it is you're you're building to elicit an audience response. I feel. If you haven't been inside it, I think it can be quite difficult to understand how it actually feels to be on a stage in front of a living, breathing thing that is not individual people, it's a collective mass and suddenly,
1: you know, it's sort of like, oh. <laughs> and nowhere is that more true than cabaret. Yes. I'm so glad I had my three years as a performer so that I understand the, the danger and the personal risk of being on that stage and, and how important it is for the performer on that stage to, to demand the power from the audience and own it. I'm really, really glad for that insight. But you were acting before your degree. Yes, still professionally. Professionally in quotation marks. Okay. I, I did professional theatre, but I wouldn't call myself a professional actor.
0: Okay, so there's one There's one thing that we've definitely talked about before and I'm going to ask you about because it excites me so much. Um, it may not excite theatre nerds uh, because I will name drop one person that no one cares about and one person that everyone cares
1: about. Well, they should. Um, when did you work with Keith Johnston? Um, well, I know the other person you're going to mention. <laughs> um, and they're both within the same context, yeah. actually. Um I played theatre sports in Edmonton with Rapid Fire Theatre for several years. I was never fantastically good at it. Um, I I remember having to do a sketch once, having to do an opera about onions that sent me careening to the basement in tears because it was so bad. Can you explain a little bit about what theatre sports is to all the people out there (laughs) who are like, what theatre sports? Is that like egg and spoon races on stage? (laughs) Theatre sports is competitive improv. Uh, so the theatre sports that I played uh, to this day runs every Friday night every week of the year uh, in Edmonton think sketch comedy but improvised and scored so so with theatre sports you will say right so we're going to do we're going to do an act uh, give us a genre give us an object and tell us the story of your first kiss and then they'll we'll make a sketch about it and then you have judges and the judges will give feedback and score you and the scores are all it's 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 kind of to yay i won you don't actually win anything (laughs) that's not the point so i played that for a few years um theater sports as a model i'm not sure if it was invented by but it was certainly perfected by keith johnston uh who's a a director of what would you say therapy theater kind of yeah it's like he's just very like improv yeah
0: improv improv theater and kind of like becoming a better performer through improv
1: quite but his i don't know if it's his background i'm so far away from this at one point i would have known this uh he's done a lot of work with with traumatized children and young people uh to try to get them to to tell their stories and and to come out I by. I think by... that's because he started as a teacher. He talks Fair about time. he worked as a school
0: teacher because he had a horrible time in education because he just doesn't fit yes. what education used to be. Yes. So he's tried, he then became a teacher because he kind of wanted to, to teach in the way that he felt he would have benefited from. And that turned into teaching acting classes
1: mm-hmm. um, and theatre sports. Yeah. And, then... <laughs> and so, so Keith is all about um, learning to say yes and learning to go big um so i took a couple workshops with him at the loose moose theater in calgary um there was one where he handed me a very long skinny balloon and um said any time that my opponent blocked me i was supposed to hit him
0: with my balloon so it's not going to hurt and blocking in in sports is like not shutting yes. down your suggestions. Yes. So if you're like, "Hey, look at that swimming pool over there," and they're like, "Oh no, it's a dog," you hit them.
1: Well, not even like, not yes, but doesn't even it's have a to big be quite example. that obvious. It can yeah. be, "Oh, let's go for a swim." Oh, I don't know, it's too cold.
0: Yeah, you're suggesting uh-huh. an action that could make something happen, and yeah. they go, "No, I'm not going
1: to do that." So theatre sports is always yes, let's. Yes. In and. fact, there's a game which is yes, yes. let's or yes, yes and, and as I think how you know it. <laughs> uh, so I had this balloon to, to wallop my scene partner i have no recollection of what the scene was but i do recollect that at one point i felt that my offer had been blocked and so i thook just kind of bopped him and keith who is this enormous bear of a man <laughs> just an imposing serious loud voiced menacing but in a really good way uh barrels up from the back of the theater and he says I said hit him and so I bop and he's like no and, he, and so it basically gets me to until I'm wailing on this poor fellow with my balloon oh my God. and he says yeah this is what you need to do you need to commit to that level always if you're gonna do it you're gonna go big and I've subsequently um noticed that the best comedians and and the best comedy is when they just go for it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the idea is, but they go whole hog. You're going to fall down, you're going to break every bone in your body, and you're going to roll, and you're going to lose all the articles of clothing, and you're going to, whatever, fall in a mud puddle. And you're just going to invest everything into that gag. And then you get comedy, and then you get poignancy in, in serious moments. And yeah, and it, was, it was far more profound teaching than I think I even realized at the time. I think he talks about... Keith Johnston has a couple of books that I've
0: read, which is why I'm like, oh my god, Keith Johnston! I see him as this like, big father of ideas. because Everyone he, does. He talks about this a lot, about how, at the time, it's very important to not let the actors realise that you are teaching them something, that they just have to do this stuff and think it's stupid, and then later they'll just develop, and then it won't be until they actually reflect on it when they're ready to that they'll realise... So, yeah. By the way, if anybody wants Keith Johnston's books after listening to this, I might post links in there. Definitely read Impro. Impro is the one yeah. I'd recommend for everyone to read. Impro and Impro for Storytellers is kind of the one building on that, which to- that one talks all about loose moose and theatre sports, exactly. but Impro is the more generalised. If you don't understand theatre sports, you're not really going to understand improv for Storytellers very much.
1: Well, when we talk about the second person, as I know you really want to, we oh can God. get a bit more into what theatre
0: sports is. So who did you uh, play theatre sports with? <laughs> I played theatre sports with a lot of people. Um, who, who in particular might be of interest to our listening public?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you may know him from such films as Serenity. And And the uh, hit series Firefly. And the hit series Firefly. Uh, Yes, I when I played theater sports. So I'm giving away my age here, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I played theater sports in the early to mid '90s um, with Nathan Fillion, Ah! who has subsequently gone on to become quite a superstar. Um, but even more exciting than the fact I used to play theater sports with Nathan who by the way back then was this single nicest gentlest loveliest person um,
0: this makes me just
1: love him oh more now. he was, he was a, a, an amazing gentle guy um, I have made out with Nathan Fillion just gonna give that a moment there <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Uh, in the context of theater sports, see this is so for all of you love, Lauren, slightly awkward, slightly geeky people out there. Theater sports it gets you some action. Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm not a very good improv. It gets player. you action with future movie stars. With future movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, there's, there's... everyone's going to be reading these books now. <laughs> yeah. So as I said, I wasn't a I wasn't a very good improviser, um, but there were a couple things that I learned very quickly. I was good at, and Reasonably good at, and one of the things that I did as often as possible were audience stories. So you reenact an audience story on stage, and I think that worked for me because there's a, a set narrative that I could then riff off. But it wasn't quite as, who knows what's going to happen, as as true theater sports were. Um, and one of my favorite games to play was the first kiss retelling. The theater sports players, at least at the time, I suspect it hasn't changed now. We're pretty universally very, very hot. And so I used to play that game as often as possible. <laughs> so that I smack nice. with the other boys in theatre sports. And of course, if you're in theatre sports and you say, hey, you want to make out? They have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I have yes, and yes. Shall <laughs> so we get to the second base? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I have had the very great pleasure of making out with Nathan Fillion, um many many years ago. That's such a great story. Yeah. That's such a great thing to have to have on your resume. <laughs> it is actually on my resume. Masters from from the University of Alberta has made out with Nathan Pillion. <laughs>
0: I feel name. like you should use that. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you had such great experiences, clearly, what made you want to
1: stop acting and go more into production? I think it's um just a genetic lean. I think it is who I am. I've always, always had that component of my personality. I used to. <laughs> I am so cool. Everyone <laughs> listening, you're going to just realize how cool I am. Um, when I was a child, I used to alphabetize my books.
0: That and my, actually makes you cool
1: in my eyes. <laughs> I mean kind of six, seven, eight years old. I'd I'd have them in sections, so I'd have these are the science fiction and these are the fantasy and and then they'd be alphabetized within that. Um I've always been quite into putting things in order. I love sorting, I love stationery, makes me far more excited than it really should. So I think when it came because I am very much a thinker and, and a lover of colour coding, um, I think the actual performance part, which requires a freedom of spirit and a a trust in not thinking, I don't think that actually comes naturally to me. And so performing has always been a way to, uh, whether it was conscious or uh, unconscious, I mean, cabaret was a conscious decision. It was a way to understand the industry and understand the medium so that I could then put my actual talents to work and make business happens very smart just always smart always been my lean yeah it's really interesting
0: so when you started producing theatre did you feel like you were in your element
1: oh absolutely one of my favorite questions to ask people I don't know if I can ask you this on your own podcast yeah you can go for it (laughs) is if you could be anything talent or opportunity notwithstanding so absolutely anything in the world doesn't matter you could say firefighter if you have bad eyes or whatever what would it be what would it be well it was what would I want to be was right. what ultimately <laughs> the reason yeah. I was asking you is to bring it back to me <laughs> uh, which is that um, if, if opportunity and talent and in this case money notwithstanding I would want to be a theatre producer I would like to be West End London uh, but where you're actually going out into communities, you're meeting artists, you're seeing shows and you're saying that is fantastic, that needs more uh, exposure mm-hmm. and you're, you're helping fund shows and you're helping produce them and get them on their feet and that would be my dream job. I love a show. See, I don't think the arts has to be deep if it's incredibly fun Hairspray is a really good example. I, I sat and wept Love all the it. way through Hairspray. <laughs> What's the point of of Hairspray? That it doesn't matter, like racial equality, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that you should be proud of who you are. These are not the deepest concepts in the entire world, but it's such a fun show, and it's so upbeat, and the music's so good, and... It's, it's just a really solid evening out and and that is how I feel about shows like um, Joseph and the amazing technical dreamcoat and my personal often maligned favorite would be Starlight Express <laughs> I can, so see, I can <laughs> so see you loving that. I can so see you loving Much that. Much maligned, poor, poor, poor Starlight Express. So I do think they, uh... they have their role. Mm. Um, much. I'm going to keep bringing it back to cabaret, because that's no, how I know you. But that is actually, I've had a lot of discussions um, with people about the, the large number of shows that do the high glitz, high polish, commercial cabaret. And a lot of the, the more artiste people um, often frown upon these shows and say, well, you know, but what do they do? You've seen one fan dance, you've seen them all. And to an extent, that's true. But then as a producer, I got into burlesque. The very first act I saw, or one of the first, was a fan dance. And I thought, oh, it's so pretty. Fan dances are commercial because they are digestible. And and they immediately trigger the audience into liking it. Because, you know, ostrich feathers and rhinestones and pretty girls. And these are things that we know how to respond to. And that we're going to enjoy the first six times we see it. So if done well, and somebody has seen that fan dance six times, then they're going to go, okay, you know what? I'm getting a little tired of fan dance. What else is out there? And so I, I really strongly believe that the commercial cabarets, the Andrew Lloyd Webbers, they get people into the rest of it. I don't think theatre could exist as a neo-immersive art form. Nobody's going to, to leap from watching Celebrity Big Brother into seeing Punch Drunk the drone man because it's too intense they need to understand a bit what they want what they're expecting how to respond
0: i'm okay with that such an interesting relationship that the arts has with what we perceive as highbrow and what we perceive as lowbrow and then the money and the artistry and that kind of thing and so when did you move to the uk and why why the uk
1: from Um, wonderful canada where you were producing and See, now this is going to take us off on a, on a bit of a wild goose chase. I did not move to the UK from Canada. Ah. Um, I, came, I arrived here uh, on June 2nd, 2009. Um, <laughs> otherwise famous for the exact same flight timing. I was flying over the ocean when the Air France plane went down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what kind of trivia that means. I just remember getting off the plane in Gatwick and thinking, oh... I know that wasn't close, but that's still creepy. (laughs) That's terrifying. (laughs) We were both up in the same ocean at the same time. Wow. Um, I'm glad you made it. (laughs) Thanks. I don't think there was any real risk. Uh, I wasn't coming from Rio. I was, however, coming from Mexico. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I'd been living in Mexico City for three years. Not, before you asked, doing anything remotely artistic. I had quit theatre as a career when I was about 30, and um, decided that it was time to get a real job that would pay off my student loans someday. Was that
0: the, the mentality behind it? it? Was like, time to get a real job? Or, or did did the lovies just get too much?
1: <laughs> Opposite to the lovies, actually. Um, I had met a series of women um, in my 10-year in my span as an arts administrator, um, which had culminated in the final woman. But there were three in a row women who were so bright and so strong and so smart and they were all kind of in their 40s I'd say and I was this plucky little upstart and I met them and I thought I want to be you I'm going to be you in 20 years and then in the course of working with them realized that they were angry bitter hostile shells that that the industry had broken them and I had a bit of a gift of foresight that If I was 45 and still paying off my student loans and still having to live with four flatmates, I probably would try to destroy the 22-year-old upstart trying to take my job also. Uh, So I decided to leave before I started hating it. I I could see it. I wanted more from life than just being in the arts. It wasn't enough for me. Um, although obviously I can't get away from it entirely because as soon as I did get the career solidified, the first thing I do is go back into the arts, (laughs) (laughs) but on a hobby level. Um, yeah, so I'd quit theater when I was 30. I had given away everything I owned and broke my father's heart and moved to Mexico City in pursuit of a man with very long eyelashes. That never happened, particularly (laughs) with the eyelashes, Um, but I, I had the tremendous gift of getting to know a country and a culture so different from anything I'd ever personally experienced. Life in Canada is pretty easy if you're white (laughs) at least, I'm sure it's a different story. And so I started working with my day job company there and they're the ones who had hunted me and moved me to London. So London was actually a very, um, random Mm -hmm. place to end up, but, uh. When I was about 10, my dad told me he thought I'd end up in London, and look, he was right. <laughs> well, it is at the forefront of the arts
0: yeah, it is. in the world. I mean, it's... It's an extraordinary city. It's an amazing artistic kind of hot pressure cooker that mm-hmm. generates such interesting stuff. Well, I guess because like, I was going to be like, did you like
1: London? But you now have... My permanent residency. Yay! Yeah. So I am, uh, yeah, you are stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm eligible for citizenship next year and fully intend to go for it because I want, I could very, very happily spend the rest of my life in this country. So you came in with your day job. Yes. When did you start
0: getting involved back in the arts? How did we suck you back in to this crazy, insane, pressure cooker world of madness? Um, <laughs>
1: Very interestingly actually, um, so I have a friend named Nicola and Nicola is a goddess. She's Five foot eleven, six feet tall Red mane of hair. She's a belly dancer and she's got the full curves and Nicola and I uh, Met when I took a belly dance course briefly while I was here to try something new and uh, became very good friends, and we ended up going to see a show, which I'm not going to name because I didn't actually like it very much, uh, but we had, um, we'd gotten tickets on, you know how last, LastMinute.com does tickets for a tenor? Yeah. So I'd grab tickets to the show just randomly, and it was um, a burlesque show, kind of a high budget burlesque show. And on the way home from that show, I was saying, oh Nicola, you're such a goddess. And she's saying, oh, you are such a goddess. And we decided that our role in each other's life was to dare each other to become the person that we saw in the other person and so when a couple of weeks later on groupon an opportunity to do a class just a class no performance component with um twist and pout not sure if they're doing it anymore uh, came up nick dared me so i signed up for the twist and pout class chickened out of the first one because I thought, what am I doing? I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then went to the second one and, and really enjoyed it. Because it was, you know, flouncing around with boas and gloves and all that, you know, hen night stuff that we tend to frown upon. Once you get into the industry. Uh, but it was really just fun. It was just about being girly and sassy and, you know, yeah. And we were dancing to the Christina Aguilera soundtrack from the movie that everyone hates. But it didn't matter because we were having so much fun. And then um, when that ended, I took the next level of that course, and at that time I was friends with Tiggs Rice and she had taken the Cheek of It course and in her words, Cheek of It had changed her life. And I had been having so much fun doing this course, again, no performance component, it was just almost like an exercise course, that I thought, I gotta do it. It's gonna be my Everest, just once. Me, with my body issues and my, you know, size 16 and, and over 30, I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to get my boobs out. <laughs> and it'll be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was very hard, that course with the cheek. I mean, it was a really good course, but it was, it was so against everything. My entire relationship with my body, it, it, it required such challenge. And then the night came when I was going to do my debut as part of a troupe. And I thought, okay, just once, this is it, this is it, just my Everest just tonight. And I got on stage and I took my bits, my clothes off and the crowd went, Way! and I signed up for the advanced course that evening. Wow. <laughs> and, and I just kind of rolled with it. Uh, so it was much like most of my life has been actually, a, a series of fortunate coincidences <laughs> that all just kind of snowballed into ah. progression.
0: It's interesting you say fortunate coincidences, but I always feel there's something in people that seeks out the thing they secretly want to push themselves on, you know, because with the ballet course you wouldn't have kept going with it if you really if you really felt like, you know what, I'm not into it. It's too hard. It's pushing mm-hmm. me too far. But there's got to be something in you that's like, you know what, this is. I know on some level this is enjoyable and good for me, and I really want to keep going.
1: Yeah, and and I did have. I mean, peripherally, it wasn't just the course uh, after. At some point in the twist and pout era, um, I had answered a call on the Ministry of Burlesque site to, for some last-minute emergency stage managing for Lady Bo Peep at the Brick House. And so, yeah, I'm free tonight. I can do it. And um, ended up stage managing a show with Luna Rosa, Kiki Love Child, Fish is Delicious. Mm-hmm. And it was like throwing a fish back into water. Like That's what I really remember was being backstage with the artists and thinking... I haven't done this in five years and I hadn't realized how much I'd missed being in this environment. And I'm sure, well, no, without a doubt, that fed into the decision to do Cheek of It and kind of progress fully. Yeah. Well, Kiki, fun Kiki fact. Kiki Lovechild is super fun. So Kiki Lovechild's impression of me that, nice was, that night was, nice girl, pity I won't see her again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, so <laughs> That's so funny. Famous last words.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> that was his read on me. Oh, nice girl. I'll see her again.
0: Either that means he's terrible at first impressions, or you are giving off a vibe that was very different to well, how you. Really I was. Felt.
1: I was a very different person back then. Mm. Um, I. I was. I was very scared. I was very uncomfortable. I was not of this world. I was somebody who was peering in through the the, the smoky wind the windscreen the window of it to exactly <laughs> trying to see what I could make out <laughs> through funny. it. Um, And I absolutely wouldn't have given off any sense of, I belong here, (laughs) in that moment. So I don't begrudge it. Uh, I do think it's very funny, though, because Kiki and I have worked a lot together since.
0: Cool. So you started performing more, and did it just
1: snowball, or was it always just dipping your toe in? Performing was always kind of dipping my toe in. Um, the, the, The involvement snowballed very quickly. I had the idea for roulette six months after I debuted as a performer. Where did the idea for Cabaret Roulette come from? I love this genesis story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, fortunate coincidence. Um, I had a a friend, um, uh, Katie Vale, who does Katie Vale designs now. Fantastic milliner. And we had been talking about a, a, a ringmaster idea, act idea. And, oh, and then we could do this, and then we could... And then she said, and I give it to you. You you run with it. And I said to her, well, I actually think we should both do it because we're so different. Now, she doesn't really perform much, but at the time she had this kind of 80s high energy. And I said, let's, let's both do it and see what happens because that would be really interesting, actually, to see what the same idea given to two very different artists would turn into. And then about two weeks later, I started casting for Roulette, which is based on that concept of if you take that idea... The ownership of the idea away from an artist and say, right, I'm not giving you a blank slate. Here's the thing you have to think about. Now, what do you, Rosie Cole, the belly dancer, what do you bring to it? Forget about making that idea original because it's not going to be, it's going to be the same. So it's about you and your talent rather than the idea and take that, the the reign of the idea away. Yeah, what's your originality? Exactly. As a performer. Focus on the performer
0: rather than the idea. It's really that's actually a very it's a very theatre way of looking at it, anyway. it? <laughs> because actors have to play the same character yeah. as other actors have gone before them and of course you have people like McKellen doing Macbeth but then there are, Macbeth keeps going people keep doing more and more Macbeths mm-hmm. it's not an original play to do now you have written it yourself and even in writing plays there are still the same themes that keep coming up again and again if you've ever read any unsolicited new writing Nothing that's not been said. So it it becomes about the actor and what they bring to the performance which is bizarrely a novel idea to the cabaret world where people are still like she took my music. How have you found producing Roulette? Because it's coming up to its second birthday, as we said earlier yes. in the podcast. So how, how has it been getting to this point where you're like, oh my God, we've hit two years.
1: <laughs> how has it been? Um, I've aged. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I really love it. And I get more reward and satisfaction from it than from any performing I've ever done. But it's, it's hard. It's hard work. People used to complain when I was just starting out. It sounds like I've been around for 20 years. But three or four years ago, four, four and a half is when I first started getting interested in cabaret. Um, people were complaining about how many shows there were in London. Lots and lots of newbie shows and showcases and things like that. I actually think London market has gotten even harder since then. It feels to me like most of those lower quality showcases have dropped off. Um, Because I don't think there's big money in it. So people who think they're going to get big money realize very quickly they're going to walk home with 60 pounds in their pocket for a lot of work. But now we have this incredible cabaret scene that is so saturated. And it is saturated with quite consistently good shows. Um, I'm, I'm massively gunning for a London Cabaret Award this year. Uh, marketing power of that would just be ridiculous yeah um and and you think okay well to get longlist nominated you just need to be top 10 burlesque or cabaret shows in london well okay so what what what's our competition you start rattling them off you could get to 30 without taking a breath there are so many good shows out there and it has made producing much more difficult you do have to find your niche which I think Roulette has done. I don't think there's another show like us. Um, And I I think that has helped us. Uh, But it does also limit you a little. Um, We're not a massively commercial show. um, So we will appeal to more theatrically minded and people who are maybe a bit more bored of fan dances will like roulette, but we're not particularly dark, we're not particularly commercial, we're not particularly, we're not a hen night, birthday party kind of crowd. We're a thinking cabaret. So we, we've got our niche and that both helps us and I think means we've got a slice of the audience that we're fighting for tooth and nail. But it is consistently, predictably a good night out. You will enjoy it. I've had people come who've never been to cabaret before and go, wow, that was really fun. What I love about roulette is that you consistently cast from pretty
0: much I would say every strata of performer, like
1: from, yeah, <laughs> very, that's that's intentional, yeah, very very intentional.
0: Great, so you can in the same show see the you know Vegas Moulin Rouge sparkly, incredibly elegant, beautiful fan dance, and then see queer alt drag horror mashup who knows what is going to come out of this person's mouth, what they're going to do. Like, they may scare you. They may make you fall in love with them. Like, you have these polar opposites on the same stage. And I I find that so exciting because, you know, you can go to the show and you can 100% adore four out of eight performers. And then you can be like, yeah, wasn't my thing, but I liked it for the other four out of eight. Yeah, You've had a great show either way because you've seen some favourites or even just two out of eight, two people just going,
1: bam, and you go, oh my God, I loved it. I um, I do pick, so our birthday show, which is in November every year, I pick one act from all the previous years, uh, previous shows of that season to come back. And it tends to be the person who, uh, a combination of fan favourite and the person who has seized the roulette mantra and really understood this um, that this is a safe place and it's about being pushed out of your comfort zone and creating something exciting uh, and who've done that and I've actually found in the past it was us- usually was relatively easy that there would be one person who just stood out and this year I found it very difficult Um just for the record these are the best acts I don't believe in qualifying acts like that I think the arts is so innately competitive that I don't want to say that was the best act of the night. You don't want to add another layer of competition yeah. onto this thing that is already so tough. Exactly. So they're more like these are the acts which when put in a group of with each other will celebrate the roulette ethos the best. Artists that have really embraced it um, are the ones that have turned out like the, the work is the best. Um, I have decided watching the show for two years, I've, I, I now draw a line between artist and performer and people can be both and there's no, one is not better than the other, but there are people who live to be on stage and there are people who live to create and this show very much appeals to the latter, the mm-hmm. people who live to create. Uh, we do have people like, like Kiki Lovechild, love so like Joe Black. Um, cutting back again and again because they love to be in an environment that pushes them into creative instead of just being able to do the same act over and over which a performer who has a really good act their joy is to be on stage doing that act so they don't have that, that hunger to create new things all, all the time I'll give you the big, big surprise and that is Lily is going to compare the birthday show <gasps> there, you heard it here first Yes! Uh, it was audience demand. She's been our stage manager more than anyone else. Um, she's so incredibly magic on stage. She's amazing. And what's funny is when you find a compare that doesn't get Lily, you
0: feel frustrated. As I feel frustrated as an audience member that they are not using the amazingness that is Lily yeah. to her full capacity. Because give her the right compare, and she Incredible. is. She, I I would watch uh, the Lily review. To be honest, hilarious, like... <laughs> unnerving,
1: so politically incorrect. Um, it does trigger my w- white guilt frequently. Uh, when she's in the in the room and she's on as Lily at the show started, she will speak to you in character, and that always freaks me out a bit <laughs> <laughs> because having a p- paid tie. Uh, bride as my stage manager is always a bit disconcerting, <laughs> but no, she's help. <laughs> underpaid help, underpaid help. <laughs> um, but no, she's she's so magic on stage. So I I really like the role that the stage managers have played, a role that uh, Ruth Young at the door has taken up as well. Also from the second show. see our second show was just where Roulette was really born. Um, anyone who's been to Roulette will have seen Ruth. She's she's been our door person for every single show except our very first one. Uh, uh, Ruth showed up unasked for the very first show. Again, first show we'd had a door person. Second show we'd Ruth Young in character in a habit as Sister Euphemia, <laughs> who is this uh, oh, spiky tongued Irish nun. Um, crazy <laughs> Irish, crazy <laughs> <nun. laughs> Irish <laughs> nun. Um, which the crowds liked so much, she came back as the nun for the second one and now she's seen, she's been the lady of the lake, she's been. Doctor Who. She's been, she's been the Joker. The Joker. Yeah, she's she's become as much of a performer as everyone else, and a huge part of the show. And and to me, that that speaks really highly of the environment to the show that everybody with the exception of me who shows up in my jeans and t-shirts and That's your prerogative as creator. <laughs> 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 I don't stand out at all. <laughs> but everyone else involved in the show is so 100% into it and it is it's such a big game and such a family it's it's quite magic.
0: It's fun. I really like that. It's I like how fun.
1: empowered they all are to to Find that creativity. So, so we'll see what happens. The intergalactic, um, the friend. It was actually a friend of mine, uh, Liz, who suggested it. It's her birthday show because it's her birthday on Friday, I think. Oh my and, god! Is this is uh, the one who wanted a Philip K. Dick act. She wanted a Philip K. Dick. Act. Oh Jesus Christ! And she said to me when she suggested uh, when it won, she said, "I there just there has to be there has Would she to be mind Philip if it's K. more Dick. Blade Runner based yeah. then uh, she'll be delighted." I've already told her that there's electric a, sheet. a Blade Runner. Okay.
0: God, I wanted to talk to you about your exit from Kevrae, but I don't know if we have time.
1: So before I turned on the microphone, you
0: were saying how Vivacity Bliss as the performer uh, has done... Well, you said earlier in the show, actually, that you, it's you did your, your last one in Ipswich. Yes. What's been your decision to completely decide that your journey is over and how are you going <laughs> <laughs> to kill her? How are you going to kill
1: Vivacity? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very interesting that you actually say kill Vivacity because that's, that is very much my lean... Um, I don't f- see it. I don't feel like it's a retirement because uh, I never really had a career to speak of and I, I don't really think the scene will miss me. Um, which is not to say that I was you know, poor or unwelcome or anything, but I, you know, I, I, I wasn't a pillar of the community as a performer. Um, but the whole, the construct of vivacity bliss is something that I'm really starting to wrestle with. Um, the twee name, I'm really over the twee name. Uh, anyone who works with me, as soon as they go, oh, you're Vivacity, I immediately switch to my real name. And, oh, no, no, please call me. Because um, I, I, I find it very strange. I can deal with Viv, I think, because it's a real name. <laughs> um, and some of my friends still call me Viv, even though they know my real name quite quite uh, formally. Like, it's, it's the common name. Um... But I'm really tempted to kill her off. She she was created... Uh, she was created to give me the confidence that I didn't think I had. So she was supposed to be... Well, first, first, she was supposed to be the woman of elegance and mystery and power who would slink on stage and everyone would... Ooh. The first thing I learned in burlesque, particularly, is that you can't be on stage someone you're not. That your stage persona... Is always going to be some facet of your actual persona. And there's no part of me that is elegant and mysterious and sleek. Um so very quickly vivacity became kind of silly and talkative and seal clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> I love how seal clubbing's part of your personality. <laughs> it's true. But it was about the confidence. So so my gag was that I was like Kurt Kent, I just had to take the glasses off and, and I would become vivacity. That was really the only line between me and her. Oh, I always refer to cabaret persona as a superhero persona. There you are. Uh, what I've come to realize, though, is um, that there's actually no difference between us. That the person who got up on stage and who who created roulette is me. It wasn't know how Beyoncé talks about Sasha Fierce is the persona she has to take on in order to be that ferocious on stage, and it's so different from her. Vivacity is not different for me, therefore it becomes a twee affected name. Um, I've just used Roulette in a, a job application for a very senior job. Um, I kind of want it to be under my my real name. I'm I'm proud of it. I we'll see so will I kill off vivacity it means I'll have to move 1500 people onto my other Facebook page (laughs) that's the big problem (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know that is effort it is effort and it might be worth it and mortal names tend not to be as catchy and I don't know we'll see we'll see I do I do definitely feel like the persona of vivacity bliss is on her last legs and it'll rapidly just become Erica. Yeah.
0: it's. it feels like a positive progression. It feels like
1: a very positive progression. Yeah. It actually what it what it signals is just how proud I am and how able to own. I've been incredibly yeah, owning incredibly it. lucky to have nothing but support. Uh my stepmother flew over from Canada for my burlesque debut. Oh. Um my family know what I do and support it. My work come to see my shows. They've seen me perform. They, there's a pack of them coming in September uh, oh to support this show. So I've been very lucky never to have to hide it. And, and I think this is the final step in just embracing it and saying, you know what, it, it really is an art form on the same level as theatre and as art. Um, and, and I'm quite happy to have put my real name against it. That's amazing. But no fantastic. boobs. No, no more boobs. No more boobs. <laughs> no more boobies. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, I draw
0: the line. <laughs> Belly's fine. Boobs, not so much. Uh, Just for me. Not sure about the belly. They're there. <laughs> for me, at <laughs> least. So, well, I think that's a really lovely note to kind of finish on because it's so uplifting you owning this amazing entity that is roulette and all the things associated with it so where can people find you and your creation out in the world give me some lay some links on me
1: lay some links on you well so cabaret roulette's website which i've just recently redone so check it out uh is uh www.cabaretroulette that's r-o-u-l-e-t-t-e amazingly people don't know how to spell it cabaretroulette.co.uk We are on Facebook under Cabaret Roulette as well, Um, and I'm Vivacity Bliss. I don't have a fan page. I don't have fans. (laughs) Uh, But you're welcome to friend me. I like friends. Uh, But you can check us out on Facebook, where I do my very best to post an interesting piece of trivia or joke or something every single day that is applicable to the theme. But don't be boring is my rule. It's got to be entertaining. Um, And we're on Twitter at Cabaret Roulette. I hate tweeting, (laughs) so it's pretty quiet, (laughs) (laughs) but you can come join us there. Uh, We have a new marketing person, so hopefully she'll start tweeting for us. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's it. Website, Facebook. Twitter. I don't do any of those. And the show, the next show. And the next show, That you should all
0: come to, having heard about this.
1: Well, the next three shows I'll tell you all about, um, because they're all very exciting. So, next up in nine days, ten days... I have just made Rosie's heart stop. Uh, is intergalactic starring Rosie Cole? I'm not. I'm not starring. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I'm one of
0: many incredible artists who are. Yeah,
1: on we, the line have, up. we have. We um, have the 2013 Burlesque Idol winner Lu- Luna Peach. Pe- <laughs> Sorry, Luna. Luna Peach doing oh, it. Oh, I love
0: Luna. I'm so excited um, to see her again. I never get to see her backstage, and she's oh, so great. Such
1: a talent. Uh, we have the fire goddess uh, that is Red Sarah. Doing it, we have Jade Adams, who is an award-winning international comedian. Incredible show. Then um, Griffin and Jones as well. And Griffin and Jones, <laughs> who are fan favorites of Roulette. Uh, then in October, October. Oh gosh, I should know these off the top of my head. Eighth, I think it is. It's the second Wednesday. Uh, we have oh, yeah. The other one is September 10th because
0: this isn't going to come out in ten days. This is going to come out like five days before the show. Oh right. So, so Wednesday, September 10th, come to Intergalactic. Yep. Then October, the October 8th, 8th I 8th, believe it is. Yeah.
1: Is um, again Addiction. Wednesday. Um, and addiction is, it's a bit of a shameless cast, all star cast, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be our last show. So I just cherry picked. So we have Kiki Lovechild, we have Joe Black, we have Ria Lina, who just won uh, an award in Edinburgh, um, we have Peggy DeLune, Betsy Bonbon. Man. Oh my god, it is an incredible show. And then uh, November 12th is Kebby Roulette's second birthday bash, uh, which is as much party as show. It'll be some of our favourite acts from the past year and cake. I promise cake oh my for God, everyone. I have to
0: Last year I was in Mexico for the first birthday bash and I was so upset. So this year.
1: From think... an audience perspective, I think, and I'm a little biased, I admit, but I think last year's first birthday bash... <laughs> it's a good thing this is ending because I can't speak anymore. First birthday bash was the single... Best evening of cabaret I've ever seen in my life. Because we had that benefit of knowing the acts. Yeah. So it could be programmed a little, a little uh, smoother. <laughs> a little smoother. <laughs> a little smoother. Um, but I had a woman stop me in the bathroom after the show and say she had won the tickets and had been very unhappy to have won the tickets because she used to go to theater and didn't like it. and Or, sorry, go to cabaret. Didn't like it anymore. It wasn't for her. She said, you have reminded me why I used to love cabaret. So that's the birthday show. It really is just a magic evening of madness, and there will be a giant tampon being wrestled by Fanny Dent.
0: Yes, Fanny Dent's come
1: up a lot in this podcast. She's a talent. We're fangirling about Fanny Dent. We are. I I love
0: that woman. I think she's amazing.
1: (laughs) I think between Kiki Lovechild and Fanny Dent. Oh my God! They've been the hot buttons. Just want to hang out with them all the time. (laughs) Kiki doesn't even know who I am. I'm just
0: like, I love you! He does not know (laughs) me at all. I'm sorry, Kiki, this is weird. (laughs) Thank you so much for such an enjoyable chat about all things theatre nerdy and cabaret nerdy and just the incredible spirit of roulette that's so exciting.
1: Thank you for having me. I can think of about six more hours of things to talk about.
0: Well, we might have to get you back on. We might
1: have to get you back on. Maybe we'll do another
0: another podcast with you and another guest and we'll just hang out and like oh that'd be fun chill out and have cake as well and <laughs> <laughs> talk about more um I guess it's time to wrap up I feel sad <laughs> but thank you so much for um being a part of the podcast I've been Rosie Cole um your host as always you can find me on the Facebook facebook.com forward slash Rosie cole dancer. you can find me on my website rosycole.com you can find me on Twitter at Rosie underscore cole and you can email me rosycoldancer at gmail.com if you have questions, suggestions, comments about the podcast I'd love to hear them, I'd love to hear if you'd like to have a specific guest on I'd love to hear you tell me what you think works and what doesn't because I'm making it for you you guys, without uh, without you there there are no performers without an audience so thank you so much for listening again and have a great evening